So I'm preaching today because my parents are out of town. Pastor Steve and Miss Karen are my parents, and they went to Europe. And I was a little nervous at first when they first left. I thought I was, like, home alone. I was like, oh! But then I realized that they left me on purpose, and so that was a little upsetting. But they're watching live stream, I think, so I have to give them a shout-out. What's up? Okay, so um, so that's, that's a shout-out and the selfie. Those things taken care of. So I'm going to get started by telling you guys a little something about me, okay? When I was younger, I used to be super afraid of a lot of stuff. Like, I was just a scaredy-cat kid, you know? I was the kid who, uh, why are people shaking their heads? They don't even know who I am. You don't know my story. But, uh, no, but I was a scaredy-cat. Like, I was the guy who, uh, for instance, a couple of Fourth of Julys ago, some friends and I were going to blow stuff up, right, with these. We made, like, piccolo peats, smash them down. We were going to make like this huge explosion, but we were going to take it to Miller Park, which it's illegal to do fireworks there. And so I was all for it at first. I'm like, yeah, this sounds like a great idea, you guys. And we were going to blow up, of all things, a bunch, a bunch of BBs. That's really dumb, you know, because that's going to fly everywhere. But it sounded like a good idea to us at the time. So I was all for it, but then the time came for us to go and blow stuff up. And... At that moment, it started to kick in. I started to get afraid of getting caught, and all that stuff started to kick in. So I was like, ah, I just got to go to the bathroom real quick, guys. And so I went into the bathroom, and I sat in there for like 20 minutes. And then they're finally just like, Elliot, what's going on? Where are you at? What, what happened? And I said, oh, you guys could just go without me. It's going to be a while. But I just sat in there because I was too afraid to go with them. Also, I was just afraid of like the dark, sleeping in my own room. This was, don't worry, this was just till I was like 16, so it's not a big deal. But, no, but I was, I was scared of that type of stuff. But one thing that could calm me down and could help me out was when my mom would pinky promise me that everything was going to be okay. And not, not just promise, okay, pinky promise, there's a difference, right? And, uh, but no, for some reason, before I would go to sleep, I would ask my mom to pinky promise me that I would make it through the night, I'm not going to get eaten by a monster, or any stuff like that. And it helped me sleep at night. And honestly, I would do it all the time. When I would go on a roller coaster, she'd have to pinky promise me that I, that I would live. And if my mom wanted to mess with me, she'd, she'd be like, I can't pinky promise anything. It's, she was like the emperor from, uh, what's that movie, Gladiator, where they're just like this. And they, they have the say on your life. If she wouldn't pinky promise me, I would be so nervous that I would not make it on that ride. But um, anyways, her promises only meant so much, right? Because she's a human. And she, as much as she could pinky promise me that I was going to be okay, she could only do so much. Like, if I asked my mom, hey, can you pinky promise me that I could walk through a hail of gunfire? And she did. That, that really doesn't mean anything because I'd probably die. But the thing is, I trust in her pinky promises so much, I probably would walk through a hail of gunfire. If she pinky promised me, I'd be okay. That's not true. But, but anyways, the thing is, her promises only mean so much. And today, I want to talk to you guys about God's promises. Because God's promises yeah. are way better than my mom's pinky promises. Uh, my reference for today is 2 Corinthians 1.20. And there it says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ 
And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Dear God, I thank you for this opportunity to share the word. I ask that you would speak through me today and let whoever needs to hear this, hear this. In your name we pray, amen. Okay, so today I'm talking about God's promises. We've been over that, right? Boom, God's promises. But I want to share a specific story from the Old Testament about these people who got a promise from God and uh, just how that unfolded in their whole story. So I'm going to be talking about uh, Abram and Sarai, okay? And that's in Genesis, and I'll be all through 15 through like 20, so you could try to follow along with me. It will be up here when I use scripture, so that's what I would do. But so for this story to start, for this whole thing to unfold, something had to happen, right? And the first thing that had to happen was God had to give a promise. So that's the first part of our story. God gave a promise. And not only did God give a promise, God promised to bless. And that, that's what God's promises are going to be. God is promising to give you a blessing. He's promising to bless you, to enhance your life, you know? And so here in our story, God gave a promise, and that promise was to bless them. Um, so in Genesis 15, 4 through 5, it says, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. So a little background onto what's happening here. Uh, Abram is upset because he's getting older. He's an old man, and he hasn't had any kids yet. He doesn't have a son. And he's afraid that his servant is going to be the heir to his inheritance and everything. And so he's pretty upset about that. And so he's telling God, Look, man, I'm almost... I'm getting older. I don't have a son. This guy's going to inherit all my money and all my estate, and I'm pretty bummed. And God said, look, man, no, don't worry about it. You're going to have a son, and he will inherit your land and, and your name and all that stuff. Don't worry. I got your back. And so that's, that's the first part of this promise that God gives, you know, because there's, there's two parts, because God gives a promise, but his promises are like a two-way street, you know, because God gives the promise to bless us, because it's God's desire to bless us. It's who he is. He's a good God, and he wants to see us succeed. He wants to bless us. He wants to help us along the way. So it's his desire to bless us. So a lot of times, God will promise to bless us, or he'll just bless us right off the bat. But it's two, two ways, because not only did God promise to bless, Abraham decided to believe. And that, we find that in Genesis 15, 6. It says, And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So what, what could have happened is Abraham could have been like, God, you know how old me and my wife are? Okay, I'll just let my servant be my heir, because you're acting a little crazy right now, man. Because that's not going to happen. But Abraham knew how big God was, and how powerful he was, and how faithful he was. And he decided, you know what? I believe you. I, I trust that I'm going to get a son. You're a good God. And I trust that you're going to bless me with this, right? And, but the thing is, another part to God's promises, that's a two-way street, is it takes action on our part, okay? Without getting too weird here or anything, God promised Abraham a son. To get a son, action had to happen. You get what I'm saying? Action, you know? Something had to happen for Abraham to have a son. They had, God, only, the only time God gave a virgin 
a baby was married. Every other time God had promised a baby, stuff had to happen, right? And when God promises us stuff, we have to take action. Not that type of action. That, the word action doesn't replace that other word, but, you know, if, if you feel like God is going to bless you with a, with a job, you can't just sit there and wait for a job to magically appear. You have to take action. Go out and look for stuff. If you feel like God's going to bless you with a new house or better finances or, or any, anything, you have to take action because it shows that we're taking action on our part and we're doing our half of it because God is going to promise to bless us. He's going to bless us because he's good and he desires to. But we have to take action on our part, okay? So that's God giving the promise. That's, that's almost, the, that's like the easiest part of this, right? God gave the promise. Now comes the tricky part, waiting on the promise. And waiting is difficult because waiting is inconvenient and we are impatient. And those two things do not go together well. We are an impatient people and we don't like to wait. You know, sometimes I get so, I do not like driving in, on the freeway in road, I, I get some road rage, I have to pray, but I, I hate it. It's so annoying because we're impatient. We, we don't like waiting on that stuff. Sometimes Taco Bell needs to get their stuff together and give us our tacos, like, right? It takes too long. Oh, I went to this, okay, I'm sorry. I'm going to chase this rabbit real quick. I went to this Sonic the other day, and Creighton was there. It was an hour wait from the time we ordered, and so you know what? We gave it a bad Yelp review, and I felt a little bit better. But we showed them, huh? But waiting is the worst, right? And the way I picture it, because I'm not going to be smart. Well, that's, that's not good. No amening to that. But I'm not as eloquent as some other people who preach up here. And I'm just going to show you the way I think. When I think of, like, waiting on God's promises and God's blessings... I picture like a door, okay? And it's like the, the blessing, the next chapter, the next season of your life is behind that door. And in certain cases, you know what's behind that door. Like in Abram and Sarah's case, they knew that a son was behind that door. But in certain cases in our life, we'll know what's behind that door. We'll, know, we'll feel what God is blessing us with. We know what's, what that next chapter is. Sometimes we might not. Sometimes it's just the door, and we're standing there, but we know we need to move on. We, we have a next chapter. God has promised us more blessings, and they're behind that door. And it's like that door is locked, right? And, and so in this story's case, and sometimes in our case, we'll try to figure a way out through the door, you know? We'll try to kick the door down or, or unlock it ourselves or go through a window or something. We, we think we're smarter, and we try to figure a way out. And, like, we'll try to kick it down. And, and so I was thinking about kicking it down because my brain just wanders. But have you ever seen, like, those cop shows or those cop movies? And they just kick doors down like it's nothing. Like, knock, knock, it's the police. Boom! And they kick it down like, like it's no problem. I feel like I would be a police officer and I'd go, knock, knock, it's the police. And i kick it and, like, sprain my ankle or something and, and I have to walk away and just wait for them to open the door or something. Guys, you really have to open up. It's the police. Come on. But I wonder if they, like, take classes for that, if the police academy gives, like, door kicking down 101 or something. And if so, if they do give this door kicking down 101, you know who needs to take this class? You know who needs to take it? 
the Mormons and the Jehovah Witnesses. Because think about it, think about it. They, they walk up to a, a person's door, ring the doorbell or knock, no one's answering, boom, too bad. You have to hear about this. That would be so much more effective. Anyways, I was talking about the door. That's right. It's like there's this door and it's closed, and we're trying to kick our way through it. See, I worked it back there. But it's like, and that's what Sarai was trying to do here. Uh, in, in my life, I've had certain instances where I felt like God was taking too long, you know? And I, I've been like, God, do you need my help here or something? You know, and God doesn't need our help. Because God has everything under control. And so what Sarai did, the door was closed, and she, she decided, I'm going to kick it down. I got you, God. You don't know what you're doing. I'm too old. Abram's too old. I'm going to kick this door down, and I'll figure out another way around this. And so we read her way of kicking the door down in Genesis 16, 1 through 4. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abram, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abram listened to, her vo to the voice of Sarai. So after Abram had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abram, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt at her mistress. So this is Sarai's way of kicking the door down. She says, I'm too old, but my servant isn't. She's perfect age for bearing children. I'll hook her up with Abram. They'll get married. She'll have a kid. I'll take the kid, and it's mine. Boom. I got you, God. Don't worry about it. But the thing is, it's not going to work out. We might think we have it all worked out. We might think Sarai thought she had it all under control. She had a kid. She's like, this, this is the way I'm going to do it. But the foundation she built that on wasn't strong, and it, it will crumble. It crumbled for her. Eventually, her and Hagar started hating each other. It got so bad that Abram had to send Hagar and Ishmael away because Sarai did not, she didn't even like Ishmael anymore because Ishmael wasn't her son. And the foundation crumbled because we're not building it on the solid foundation of God. It might take a little longer, God's way, but it's going to be worth it in the end, you know? Amen. And also another side note, that you could just title my sermon like side notes because I keep going off, but something I noticed here. Abram said yes right off the bat. Does anyone else think that's kind of weird? You know, I feel like he should have tested the waters at first and been like, no, I, I don't want to do that. And then if she pushed, but it's like when it's your anniversary or something and your wife says, oh, you could go out with the guys. You're not supposed to say yes right off the bat. That could backfire, right? But Abram just went for it. He's like, yep, okay, good to go. But I think that's weird. But anyway. And this decision brought problems onto their lives. I, like I said before, they had to send them, send them away. And the reason is, is because God wants the chance to reveal himself to us, you know? That's the reason he didn't, because Hagar and Abram made sense. It, to the physical world and to the natural realm, it made sense because Hagar was of childbearing years. Abram obviously was still good to go. And so, so Abram, yes, so it would have made sense because 
Physically, it could happen. And so, but that didn't give God the chance to reveal how powerful he was by taking two people who shouldn't be able to have a child and giving them a child. That, and it gave, if they, would, if they wait for that, then it gives God the, the glory. Because there's no way Abram and Sarai could have been like, we had this child on our own, you know. It was all about scheduling and like we ate stuff. They couldn't say anything like that because it was impossible for them to do it without God. And God want, in many cases in the Bible, we find this with, with Job, you know, he wanted his ch- a chance to reveal himself as faithful. It, if we don't ever need to trust God, how is he going to show that he's trustworthy, you know? So that's some of the challenges that the waiting brought. But that's not the only thing that the waiting brought. The waiting period also brought change. And that's a little shout out to my dad because it's almost rhymes, challenges and change. See there? So the waiting also brought change. Okay, so I want you to look at this. Abram and Sarai were given the promise, but Abraham and Sarah received it. Uh, It might sound like that's just a little, you just pronounced it weird, but that's that's two different people. It's the same person, but it wasn't the same people who received the blessing or the promise of God. Because, and what this shows me is maybe the only thing keeping us from that blessing or that promise or behind that closed door is ourselves. Maybe we're the thing that's stopping us. A lot of the time we like to look and point at God and be like, what's up, man? You're slacking. Come on, I've been praying for this a long time. And, and we just keep looking at God and we're saying, what's, what's your problem, God? Why, why aren't you blessing me with this? I feel like you put this in my heart. Why would you put this in my heart if it's not a real thing? But maybe... We're the thing that's keeping us from getting to where we need to be. So let me show you what happened here with this change process. In Genesis 17, 9 through 11, it says, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offsprings after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep, between me and you and your offsprings after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of your covenant between me and you. So, without getting, like, graphic or weird or anything, Abraham went through a change, right? So, if anyone wants their promises, we'll have circumcision after the service. No, I'm just kidding. That's not... It's not going to happen. In this case, Abraham had to remove physical flesh, okay? But for us, maybe we need to remove some spiritual flesh to be ready for the promise God had given us. Abram wasn't ready, but once he removed that flesh, Abraham was ready for the promise God had given him. So I have a list of some some flesh in the Bible, what, what the Bible refers to as flesh. In Galatians 5, 16 through 21, it says... But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Memory, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, 
envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, so you might say, well, I'm not having orgies, so I'm cool, or something like that. But these are like a list of the extremes, okay? Maybe there's some flesh that you need to cut away from your life too. Maybe you have pride issues, or maybe... Maybe you're gossiping, or maybe just you have you know what it is, okay? I don't have to list everything that is a flesh to get to your need. You know what it is that's stopping you. You know what's hindering you in your life. God will reveal it to you, and you know that you need to cut it away. And when we cut that stuff away, it prepares us for what God has given to us, and we'll be ready for the blessing that he's given us, because God, God knew that Abram and Sarai couldn't handle this blessing of Isaac and all that went with it, right? But he knew that if he prepared them and made them ready during the waiting process, that they'd appreciate it more and then that it would just work better. And so when all that, when all that stuff happens, when you, when you go through the waiting process and you go through the challenges and, and through the change, what's going to happen is God will keep his promise, just like he did in the story. God kept his promise. And the thing about it was, it was in his time. Because God's timing is perfect, okay? It just is. And you will look back after this stuff happens, and you'll see that God knew what he was doing all along. And you might even laugh and see, oh, that, that seemed like such a big deal at the time, but now I know why, and this is where I grew here, and this is where this happened. And you'll know that God's planning is perfect, and everything works together for the good. God kept his promise here. And not only did he keep his promise, they all lived happily ever after. Exclamation mark. And so God showed that he was good and he kept his promise. And, and he will do that in our lives as well. And everything worked out for it. it everything. Hold up a second, Pima. Go sit down. Have a seat. Okay, security up here. Hold up a second. That's not where this ends. Don't you think that was cute that I did that? Had him come up here? Anyways. The point is, the point I'm trying to make, that was, that was kind of stupid and dumb, but the point I'm trying to make is, just because you get the promise of God, that doesn't mean it's over. Because that's not where this story ended. Because... One more thing happened. God tested his promise. So just because God has finally blessed you with what, you, what, what he said he'd give you and you've gotten through that door and you finally have his blessings, that doesn't mean it's over yet, you know? Because eventually that thing God has given you and that blessing has given you can become more important to you than he is. And when that happens, there's a problem, you know? And so God saw how much he loved how much Abraham loved Isaac, how much he loved this blessing that he had given to him. And so God wanted to make sure that this blessing wasn't more important than the one who gave it. And in our lives, we need to be careful of that. You know, God wants to give you success. God wants to give you this and that and all this stuff that we, that we desire. But we have to be careful of it becoming more important to us than God. And a big, a big thing that does this is money, you know, money can be really bad sometimes because it could become 
way more important to us than God, and we just worry about chasing money, and we worry about that stuff, and it, it just becomes our God. And, and a lot of the times, we're not willing to give that up. So in this situation, when God tested his promise, he tested it because God requires worship, okay? We all agree and we all know that God is worthy of worship and praise, right? And also, God deserves all that we have, you know? A lot of the time, we're, we're willing to give God just a little bit, you know, just the surface parts. We'll say, God, you have this, this, and this, but I got to keep this for myself. Like, hands off, man. This is my, you guys, you can have this stuff. But that's, that's not what God deserves. He deserves everything. He gives us the breath in our lungs. He gives us the ability to wake up in the morning. He gives us all that we have, and we, we aren't willing to give him what he deserves. But, it, but in this case, Abraham was willing. And he was willing because he knew that the blessing didn't come, that, that he, he knew that the blessing wasn't his in the first place. He knew that it always belonged to God. He knew that everything he had belonged to God. And so Abraham was willing when God said, sacrifice Isaac here. Because, oh, I, what happened here when he tested his promise, just in case anyone doesn't know, uh, God told Abraham to take Isaac and sacrifice him on a mountain, which is super testing the promise because he would have killed Isaac. That's the ultimate. It's not sending him away to a boarding school. It's not anything. It's giving him back to God. You know, that was the ultimate extreme test, and he wanted to see if Abraham would do it, and Abraham was willing. Uh, I'm all... So Abraham was willing, but I want to look a little bit at a person who wasn't willing. Uh, the rich young ruler. If you don't know who that is, it won't be up on here, but it's found in Matthew 19, 16 through 21. It says, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept, what do I lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So this, this story, God told him what he required, right? God was testing his promise. He asked him to go sell all of his possessions and follow him. And the crazy thing is here is when I read this story, it kind of like blows my mind because the way I look at this, God told him to go sell everything and follow him. That's like what he said to all of his other disciples. So for all we know, this guy could have been offered the 13th disciple position. You know, he could have been in the inner circle of Jesus for all we know, if he would have done it. But his possessions were so dear to him and so important that he wasn't willing to give it to God. And the thing is, it was God's anyway, and it only lasts for such a short amount of time. But it, was, it became so important to him that he lost sight of it. And he lost sight of the greatness he could have accomplished. We don't even know. That's the last time we hear about this guy. But for all we know, he could have been one of the 13 disciples, and that just blows my mind. But... He wasn't willing to give God what was his. And so not only did God require worship and Abraham was willing, but 
God also provided a way out. And this point is important, but I think we need to look at this point sort of in a different light. Because in Abraham's instance, in, in his story, God did provide a way out because he was willing and he went and he was ready to sacrifice Isaac. He had the knife up and then God said, no, there's, there's a ram in the bush. Go sacrifice that. And he provided a way out. But what's important to look at here is Abraham was willing, even though he didn't know God would provide a way out. Abraham didn't go into the situation thinking, all right, I'm bringing Isaac, but I know there'll be a ram. Isaac will be a little freaked out. This might scar him a little bit, but it will be okay. He thought, he went into it thinking he was going to sacrifice his son, and he was willing to do that. He had the knife ready. And I'm not telling you that God's going to go tell you to sacrifice people. Please don't do that. That would be really weird. But God might test his blessings in your life. He might see if the things he's given you has become more important to you than he is. And the, the thing is, is he might provide a way out, but he might not. What if God, for instance, let me just give you an example. What if God wants to see if someone is willing to move from where they are and go into the mission field and you say, yes, God, I'm willing to leave my nice house, leave perfect Southern California and go to the mission field somewhere. And then all of a sudden everything works out and that's what you're supposed to do. And you said you were willing, and, and he tested his promise, but he didn't pro provide a way out in this instance. He, he wants you to go to that place. You know, you, we have to be so careful when, when we tell God we're willing to do something, because it might just happen, you know? You're better off, if you're not willing to do it, you're better off to, to be honest like the rich young ruler and say, look God, I'm not, I'm not ready yet, I'm not gonna do this, because to, to say that you're willing to God and then to, to not do it, that's worse. And so this, this message, I think it, it can relate to almost everybody because maybe you're like Sarai. You know, maybe you're, you're in that place where you're waiting on a promise and, and you feel like it's taking too long. And it might be a promise or a blessing. You might know what's behind the door, or maybe you don't, but you just know that there's something more for your life and you need to get to that next thing, but you, you can't figure out why. Maybe you need to cut some flesh off in your life. Maybe it's time for you to get rid of some things that are hindering you, and maybe you'll be ready to go to that place. Or maybe today you were like Abraham, and you have the blessing, you feel like everything's good, but you're worried that that thing might become more important to you than the one who gave it to you. Maybe you need to just show God that you're willing to give it up. Maybe he'll tell you to give it up. Maybe he'll let you keep it. Maybe he'll provide a way out, but you need to show that willingness. So as everybody just stands up, we're gonna sing this song real quick and then I'm gonna pray. But whatever, wherever you find yourself in this story, I just want you to ask God for his help. And the, the whole point of this, the, the one thing I would like you to take away is that you can trust God with what you don't have yet, and you can trust God with what you have. So whatever side you find yourself on, God is trustworthy. He is able. You can trust in him. So we're going to sing that, and I want you to keep that in mind, and I'm going to pray us out. But just keep that in mind as we sing this verse.
Dear God, again, thank you for this opportunity to speak here today. Thank you for using me to present a word to this congregation. God, I ask that even if one person heard this and it spoke to them, that it'd be worth it. And that we would know that you are trustworthy, God, and that we can put our trust in you, whether, whether we're waiting on you or whether we need to trust you with what we already have, that we would realize that you can handle it and that you've got our back. I ask that you would be with us this week as we go forth. Help us have a good day today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. You guys are good to go.